0: This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, part of the SB Nation family of NFL podcasts. I am Anthony Cazenza, joined by John Sheeran. John, uh, big show tonight. We've got a special guest we're going to get to in a minute. We've got some announcements at the end of the show and a
1: lot in between. Are you ready? You ready to dig in? You know what? I'm ready. I'm on my phone because my computer decided to break a couple days ago, but as we say here, the show must go on we have a big show let's get right into it
0: yeah so just so people are aware we've got kind of some of our normal segments we've been doing over the past couple of weeks centering on free agency the draft that sort of thing like I said we've got some other announcements at the end of the show but we wanted to start the show kick the show off with a special guest former Bengals linebacker Adrian Ross is joining us uh Adrian how you doing man We're we're doing well. Thanks for joining us. Uh, For those who may be on the younger end of the spectrum, Adrian Ross played for the Cincinnati Bengals for six for six seasons, nineteen ninety eight through two thousand three. So he's got a good grasp of the team, the way they operate, and has been kind of in. He was in a uh, transitional period of the team. We'll talk about that in just a second. But you know. you had you had a really interesting career Adrian and I, I wanted uh, to kind of kick off the interview with that you know you were an undrafted free agent out of Colorado State you made the, you made the Bengals team and then you climbed your way into being a starting uh, starting linebacker for the team talk about that a little bit your experiences with the club and kind of your ascension to a, a large role player especially towards the end of your, your career oh
2: yeah you know uh... Man, it's funny time is time is flown by, boy. Back to 1998, coming out of Colorado State. Um, uh, you know, the thing for me, I uh, Colorado State moved me to defensive end. I was really a linebacker, so um, <clears throat> you know, I came in. I was I got to exhibit uh, my password skills, and you know, one thing with um, Dick LeBeau being the defensive coordinator. Um, you know, coming with that exotic three, three, four, coming with the blitz and the zone blitz and everything. That was, that was something that I, as a linebacker, you know, I think linebackers, you just love, love to be able to have a defensive coordinator like that. And, you know, that's how I ended up being in Cincinnati. And uh, coming in because of the defensive end background, I think it kind of pegged me when I came in as I, I had, I was labeled as tweener. You know, somebody that, you know, they, they tried to say was well, a defensive end that has to be taught how to play linebacker. When really that wasn't me. I was really at a high football IQ and I knew how to play linebacker. Um, but, um, you know, I came in and the uh, Bengals had a lot of linebackers. You know, uh, first round pick, you know, two that year in Tahito Spikes and Brian Simmons, third round pick is Steve Foley. And then mm-hmm. the year before uh, Bernard Wilson in the first rounder and Canu Curtis. Uh, then you know, then we have the OG James James Francis. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> you know, needless to say, me coming as a free agent, I got there and I was like, Whoa, like, wait a minute <laughs> mm-hmm. There's too many guys here. But that's what the NFL is, you know, I learned I learned pretty fast and that's that's what it was everywhere with competition and um, you know, I was able to compete. Um you know, but I think the, one of the biggest things there uh, was having a good coach, Mark Duffner, at the linebacker coach spot. Um, I, I think we had a lot of uh, real good coaches there at that time. Um, as you say you know, going 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 back to that to that date, and I think um, you know, especially especially in the linebacker core, I think when we'd always be graded back then, it was the linebackers and the running backs always received A's. <laughs> 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 we were the we were the two groups that uh, that were able to get 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 A's in. Then, um, but yeah, you know, I came in and uh, you know that transition. I think the toughest thing was um, trying to unlearn the defense and the language of that three-four defense is very complicated um, for someone just to come in and pick up. And if I wouldn't have had that linebacker background. You know, I think I was struggled a lot more, but I think that that's what allowed me to kind of you know play like right away when I, uh, when I arrived. and then I think that's, that's, that's what enabled me to kind of be able to compete. I think you know I, I didn't necessarily get to start year one, but I was kind of the last four games I was playing starter plays
1: um, in that competition with uh, with, uh, with Bernard Wilson. <clears throat> right. And, Adrian, you obviously played under Dick LeBeau for most of your Bengals career. And when Dick LeBeau was with the Bengals, the Bengals were not very good, unfortunately. It was the tail end of that dreaded 90s period. And then you played one season under Marvin Lewis. There's been a lot of, not recently, but over the past couple months, a lot of comments about, you know, from former Bengals like Solomon Wilcox and like Carson Palmer about what the perception of that organization is and the situation that they find themselves in now. Just from your experience with the organization, what are your thoughts on what the, what the public perception is about the Bengals organization? And from your point of view, is there much truth in how much negativity is there? Or do you think a lot of it is more or less uh, overblown from your experiences of dealing with the organization? Uh, I
2: think a lot of it's a combination. Um, you know, like if we go back to, I mean, a lot of it is comparison to what other teams are doing. It's not necessarily a bad thing in itself. When you look at it so say someone like me. You know, I was, you know, I was only there, and then I went to Pittsburgh. Well, so I didn't get to view anything different until I left. Um, and you know, having a personal relationship with the Browns, um, you know, a lot of like most of the public, they don't really get to hear them or see them, and you know, they're. They're great people, and I think that that's, that's kind of one thing. I think that because nobody really ever, the public doesn't really get to hear them and get to hear their passion for people and their passion for football. And I think that that's kind of a missing piece that kind of makes it go, makes the Bengals, you know, stay on the negative side. I um, mean, you know, along with uh, losses, and especially during during that time period. But uh, you know the. The ownership, you know, they're they're really good people. And, um, you you know, I think that um, when, like, say, when LeBeau was there, you know, he was a player's coach, you know, having having been in football for the number of years that that he's been as a player and as a coach. And um, I think when he took over, what I got to see, even from Bruce Coslett to Dick LeBeau, you know, was – um, everybody liked the LeBeau, and he you know, was able to handpick a lot of the people, especially the DBs. I think, you know, when I look at the team and the makeup, I think they draft a the DB in the second round like, every year at right, that time period. And um, <clears throat> what I saw happen was these veteran guys would come in, and because of that public perception, they come to the Bengals, and, and when they're, you know, a highly talented big contract free agent, they feel that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm arriving to the Bengals, and I'm the guy now that's going to take over. And it's like, you no, know, like, we've got some guys here. <laughs> we've got some guys here. We've got some leaders here. And not not that there was necessarily friction, but, you know, I think some of these free agents, um, here's the negative side of it for me when I look at it, is some of these free agents are put up kind of more on a pedestal than some of the, the guys that have been there you know, and they're not necessarily big, big money guys, but it's like this outside guy is coming into the team and we're going to market and hype him up as, as the guy. And I think that that, 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 that's kind of, um, you know, that kind of is what the public, um, gets to see. Cause you know, you're getting those, those guys are coming from different teams. They're coming from different organizations and they're able to compare and they're able to talk about, you know, is or what it isn't and um, so it was it was um, I guess I'll say that it's, it's a combination of both you know I think I think but the main thing I think is because people don't really see the ownership and they get to hear from the ownership themselves so it's just other people talking and then I think it's the same thing that can kind of continues to, uh, to uh, perpetuate talking with you.
0: Okay, well, that's good to know. Talking with Adrian Ross, former Bengals linebacker here on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, played six seasons for the Cincinnati Bengals from 1998 to 2003. Didn't mean to cut you off there, Adrian, but um, we are. we also run a live chat. Uh, as we simultaneously stream the the video and audio of this of this program, we've, I just want to let you know real quick before I get to my next question, we've got a couple people saying they used to dominate NFL 2K football with you, um, ta- <laughs> and uh, we had another guy ask if you still dye your hair in bangle stripes. Um, I, I remember you did that towards the the, la- the latter part of your career. Um, th- where I wanted to go next, though, and you've kind of you've kind of provided some nice segues to it, you know. And I think it's a testament to you and your talent as a player. You lasted through a couple of transitions, major transitions by the Cincinnati Bengals, especially coaching transitions. And I think where, you know, the biggest, it's kind of, if you want to chronicle the Bengals history, one of the biggest areas of it is when Marvin Lewis took over in 2003, you played for him in 03. You've talked about, you know, the perception that's out there of the Bengals what what did you notice start to change in terms of culture, in terms of maybe operational practices once Marvin Lewis got in there, a guy who had been outside of the organization, had won a Super Bowl with a division rival, etc. Oh yeah, great. Um, I'll finish up what I could say. I
2: want to break something back on the last question, and then I'll go in that. Yeah. Um, you know, when you go back. That I, say, I forgot what year it was, but we came out, we started the season, we beat the defending Super Bowl champs, Baltimore Ravens, at, at home. We come back, we beat the New England Patriots, who, you know, I sacked Bledsoe the last play of the game, and then here comes Tom Brady, I think, the next week after they play the, uh, play the Jets when Noel Lewis knocks it out. Mm-hmm. But I just say that to say that, you know, from all the negative perception, you know, it's like, you know, those are – the defending Super champs and then the current champs, we sit there and beat. So, like that's that's how country that the NFL is, you know. Even though we went and lost all those games, so '03 comes in Mar- Mar- Marvin Lewis, and so what I always tell, what I've always told everybody is uh, Mar- Marvin did a marvelous job there. Um, and the, the difference was what I liked was the change in the culture of the facilities. You know, so we had this, we we went into this old, I mean, you know, I came in and we were at Synergy and on that turf and the turf burst. You know, <laughs> then we moved into Paul Brown. And because we were the new team in Paul Brown, you never really thought that it was going to, you know, year after year it was going to stay the same because we moved in there. But the walls were blank, you know, so you have like year one of there and you think, okay, you're, you know, you're new. Then you go the next year. And it's like, there was nothing. So when Marvin got there, you know, he put up pictures on the wall of, you know, of what you guys are actually doing, of who has been there. You know, now you can see Anthony, Unions, you, know, you know, all these, all, all, all these former players that you know this, 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 this organization has been here, has, has done things that got the Super Bowl. You know, at the stadium, um, putting, you know. Putting the Bengals stuff around, and, you know, like making it making it be the jungle. Um, that was a that was a major part, as well as in the meeting room. You know, putting up visuals for you to see as a defense. You know, hey, here's here's what we want to be. You know, you're 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 a top ten defense. You're probably going to be in the playoffs. You know, if you can win your division, you know, it was it was it was stuff like that that I felt that a lot of players um, were able to. Think about, you know, um, things, things, things that uh, you're able to think about, and you're able to see, and you're able to see week in and week out, and just um, holding, holding players accountable. Um, you know, I think he was probably, I probably got to get the harder side of him a little bit more. <laughs> but, you know, he had to come in there and change the culture. Um, but yeah, that, that along with the game plan—not that the other staff, you know, wasn't. I mean, the game plans were down to the T. It was just, um, it was just a little different in the approach. It was like, here's the game plan, and here's how we're implementing it in practice, and it was kind of being told. And for a player like me, I could fully understand. So now I understood when this call is being called, this is what we're trying to accomplish. Versus. You know, we're going to go through and practice all these plays, and you guys know how to execute
1: a play, but we don't necessarily know when, and where, and why it's being called. You know? Yeah. You talked about the past now, about your playing days. Let's let's talk about more about the present and really the that you played that line has of all. It's been a problem for the Bengals for the better part of a decade now. And just in general, the, the game has has seen a, a large change in favor of the past game. And that has honestly affected the roles of linebackers as well. Um, just compared to, like, your your playing days, how have you seen the position of linebacker evolved? And how have you seen the Bengals kind of fail to adapt uh, to, to those times? So with that in mind, how would you advise a team like the Bengals who have struggled to linebacker the field? How would you suggest them to really change their fortune and bring in, more quality linebackers. What do they? What do they have to look for? What do they? Do, what do they need to do that they haven't been doing for so long to really make that just more of an asset in what is now the modern NFL? Yeah, um, that's funny
2: you say that. You know, I look and I say, you know, like the kind of linebackers that I was, you know, is is not really the. <laughs> they don't really have those out there on the field right now. Uh, you know, a lot, a lot of teams are liking to go nickel package. Um, that was, that was starting to be that way when Marvin, when Marvin arrived, they, they wanted to, you know, a lot of, of, course, all these teams want, want the linebacker that they can stay on the field on third down and still be out there to tackle. I think that's, that's been Cincinnati's problem is, um, they've, they've gone over on both sides. It's like, they've had the Ray Maugas you know, who's like, you know, more of a linebacker like I was, the bigger guy, the big middle backer. Um, <clears throat> then you stay with him, but then you kind of keep him on the field too long. You know, but then they then they flip, and then the guys are too small. So, it's, you know, I think they've been having a problem trying to find that, that, that middle of the road, you know, size-wise, to be able to stay out there on the field and cover, because that division, I mean, especially different than my day, you know, you got to be able to stop the run. You know, um, maybe, maybe on bail is gone now. But you figure, you know, for however many years there, you had Pittsburgh, and you know, you have him coming in there with the run game, and they, they've just been having problems uh, stopping the run. You know, you had perfect there, but uh, you know, you're you're rewarding the guy, and he's getting contracts, and he's supposed to be the quality player, but you know, what is he gonna when's he gonna play? You know, like it's whether he's suspended or whether he's hurt. And I feel that, um, you know, for me, over the years, I've seen that be a problem is sticking with guys that are talented that aren't producing because either they can't play because of the injury or they're suspended. So, but then the guys that are showing up every week, you know, they're the, they're the ones that aren't necessarily getting the contract or they're not getting the playing time. So, and so that's, that's that's something that I'll say that I that I've noticed. For me, you know, I feel that that I don't know if they've ever they've ever answered it. Like they've gotten that guy in the middle for that division that they're in, um, you know, on the defensive side of the ball to be able to uh, solidify the defense. You know, and I think that that's, that's that's one of the main key key pieces I see in football. You know,
1: almost like the quarterback. Everybody talks about the quarterback. The quarterback on defense. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, so. Exactly. And have you have you been keeping up with like the draft? This current crop of draft prospects or any potential agent targets that you think would potentially fit the Bengals and would would give them that just they needed linebacker. <laughs>
2: I haven't this year like I normally do. Uh, I mean, you know, like, I, most of the time, I, you know, in college, I'm, you know, watching the teams with the better defense, and, you know, pretty much every year, you know, it's like you can go to Alabama. Alabama, Clemson, Ellis new Penn State. You know, you're looking for these uh, linebackers. But um, <clears throat> uh, I, I have not um, this year. And, you know, but talking about it, you know, when I just saw the combine, how the um, – kids in Clemson, you know, did all the running and jumping and all that stuff well. And that's what I'm talking about when we say new are league you know, it's like, do you, you know, like, okay, he's, he's light, you know, he's 225, 228, 230, now he can always gain weight, but, it's like those guys can do all that running, but can they stop the lead? Can they put their shoulder in? Are they going to be healthy to be able to do that? when? When you're looking at those guys, because I'm seeing that those are the guys that they're talking about. Um, <laughs> excuse me. Uh, um, that, are, that are tops on the chart. Um, you know, obviously Chase Chase Young. You know, for me, that's that's a guy. You know, like right from his from his production. Uh, not even this year, but last year. You know, when um, he was playing for Bolster. Uh, you know, he's 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 right, he's right up. A guy like that that, that I want on the defense, not necessarily he's a middle linebacker, but just who who he is
0: and what he is on defense. He's a, he's a game changer. Catching up with former Bengals linebacker Adrian Ross on the Orange and or Black Insider Bengals podcast. It's been a, a fun interview, man. Thanks for spending so much time with us. We we, we love chatting with you here. Um, I, you know, we've talked about your playing days. We've talked about some some draft prospects and the and the linebacker position the future of it the we talked about the coaching transitions as well the team went underwent a major transition from marvin lewis last year to zach taylor overhauled the coaching staff and they went two and 14 um they now hold high picks they may be doing some different things in free agency what we have yet to see what what do you think uh, what are your impressions of this team and where they're heading um, do you do you see a little bit of uh, you know what Marvin Lewis was able to do in 03? Do you see some similarities in Zach Taylor, or is this just not really heading in the right direction? I think it was it was just too early
2: for you know for me to be able to tell. Because, I mean, you know, for some someone like as long as Marvin was there and that in that uh, transition to come in there, um, I mean, but you know. Uh, the fall, you know, like the fall off with two games was, was very surprising. With um, with the talent that's out there, you know, I know AJ Green um, goes down, and um, you know he's a he's a monster. I mean, you know, I be able to be out there practice and watch him, and you know, he's just the sight to see in person. You know, he's like a gazelle. Um, so that 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 hurts, but. You know, to me, they they shouldn't be where they're at. So that's a that's a concern for me. And um, um, so I, but it's too early for me to tell because you know I, I've been a, like kind of like you said, do some coaching changes and whatnot, and I know that um, I'm able to see firsthand on you know being able to get who you want there, and so I always feel that you know you got to give a coach some time to you know, put in his system and get his guys there. Um, But at the same time, you know, like, you got to be able to compete now. And, um, you know, with Geno Atkins and, you know, like, we see these guys, like, they've had high picks um, that they have in the secondary. And, um, you know, I feel that they should be doing um, doing much better than winning uh, two games. So, uh, you know. Don't know what it is, but I think it's too early for me to say that, hey, they're going in the wrong direction, but uh, this year's going to tell
0: a lot. Yeah, and they've got the the top pick in the draft and a number of high picks, so, um, you know, the quarterback change. But and It's like, what do you do with that? Like, so, me, yeah. you know, now, because for me, how I look at things is, you know, I'm, like, we've seen the DeMarcus Russell,
2: you know, from coming from the same school, I'm not saying, girl has you know it has the same quality. And i'm just saying that you've seen a guy come and have a probably you know probably one of the greatest runs ever but you know um i'm always i've i've seen it being there and it's like what i don't like is because someone's the first pick that that means that they're the savior and i've especially seen it there in cincinnati <laughs> you know where it's like this guy's the first pick you know and it's like well Great. like, cool, like, come in here and help, but, like, this isn't the savior. <laughs> like, this like, he's not, you know, he's not the answer to everything. <laughs> so, <clears throat> that's, that's what I don't want to happen with, oh, okay, the are picking and he's, he's, he's the top guy to get, you know, or, you know, or do you trade, trade it, and, you know, try to, try to, try to build and get more guys, you know, like, um, that's a, which we haven't seen them ever really do, um, you know, but it's like, what's, do you guys need more help or or what? Yeah. You know, I because mean, I think Mixon is a – I mean, I think he's one of the top five running backs, you know. Um, but, <laughs> you know, healthy and then can you get the ball, and, you know, can the offense move for you to be able to display your talent? I think, I, think, I think there's a lot of talent
0: there. Obviously, no, you know, you can't – you know, coaches can't necessarily do anything with that. Yeah, they've, they've, they're hanging their hat on hopefully being healthy and obviously some of these high picks panning out, whether that is Joe Burrow or in the somewhat off chance that they make a trade and, and collect picks there. Adrian, this has been an absolute pleasure. Before we get you out of here, um, I know you've got something going on, but you, you may – you may only tease us with it, um, but if, if it is just a tease, we'd love to have you back to talk more about it. But if you've got a project in the works, we'd love to hear about it. Okay, yeah, yeah, you know, definitely. I you know, tell you, know, you guys a little
2: bit, you know, uh, been a lot of talk, and you know, we've seen the NCAA come, and you know, they're they're now saying players can use their name and likeness, and um, so you know, I'm coming with a company that's going to um, kind of kind of help players in college and even players even even athletes you know male and female even before they get to college and so uh you know I look to be launching that here in the next few months um so yeah I'll definitely have to come back on and tell everybody about it but uh you know the the game is changing Mm -hmm. high school high school sports are changing and uh you know I'm gonna be right there to be a part of the change and Hopefully the Bengals win. Win column this year be changing, I think it will. <clears throat> you know,
0: so uh, but yeah, uh, I think that's about all I can. Just... <laughs> okay, fair enough. I, I mean, on the Bengals that's front, like that, so. yeah, yeah, on, on yeah on the on the Bengals front, it's hard for, it's hard for them to it's hard to foresee something lower than two wins on a season. But I guess stranger things have happened. But sounds like an interesting project from what you can tell us when it is. Ready to launch or has been launched, like I said, I'd love to have you back on and, um, you know, talk to us about that and obviously the progression of what you're doing. We'd love to hear more about that um, down the road if you're if you're willing and able.
2: Definitely. I definitely will do that. I want to uh, give a shout out to Mike Holmes, you know, to
0: out there and all the Cincinnati fans. Appreciate y'all. <laughs> well, this this has been an absolute pleasure, and yeah, Mike Holbrook, one of our one of our listeners, linked us up, and um, thank you to him. But Adrian, it's been it's been a pleasure. Uh, we will have you on again soon, hopefully. And um, best of luck to you going forward. Hey, thank you, thank you, I appreciate that. All right, take care. Okay, Talk to you guys
3: Bye. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent.
0: That was former Bengals linebacker Adrian Ross. That was John. That was uh, that was an absolute pleasure, man. Um, you know, I thought we'd get maybe ten minutes or so out of him, and uh, that, uh, he just was giving us awesome answers. I, I loved it.
1: Step on the toes. I, I, if people are looking at me like that, I look really anxious it's because I am because there's a little bit of lag on my phone. So if I stepped on the toes, I apologize to Adrian a little bit, but. You can tell definitely when we have guys in which which ones are passionate I'll talk about this this stuff and which guys are just wanting to get off but Adrian was definitely more of the former there and we definitely appreciate that.
2: Yeah, uh,
0: appreciate his time and hopefully we can get him back on and again uh, thanks to Adrian Ross former Bengals linebacker from 98 to 03 obviously has seen a lot with the organization so uh gave us quite a quite a, a cool insight into his playing days and Because he is a good friend of the show and has linked us up with a a couple of interviews, hint, hint on the the announcement later. Mike Holbrook, who usually joins us via the Facebook chat, I I think he is in there now. He is a realtor in the South and Central Florida area with United Realty Group. Um, Again, Mike Holbrook, MikeGetYouMoving.com in the South and Central Florida area. Uh, mike get you moving with over 20 years of real estate experience and um, so he's a very knowledgeable guy in his field but he's also a great guy who has helped us out on this show and has helped us uh, land quite a few interviews both past right now tonight and in the future we'll talk more about that at the end of the show so thank you adrian ross thank you mike holbrook appreciate the introduction. Go check out mykitchenmoving.com if you are in the south or central Florida area and you need some real estate advice, information, that sort of thing, Mike Holbrook will help you out. This is the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. I'm Anthony Kazenza. He's John Sheeran. We just had an awesome time talking with former Bengals linebacker Adrian Ross. We hope you enjoyed that interview. If you were unable to join us live, you can get this show on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play. On iHeartRadio, it's on Megaphone. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel, and all of our content is on cincyjungle.com. Subscribe to our channels so you get notified when upcoming shows are, are coming up here and when we go live so you can join us live. Or if you're unable to, you also get notified when shows are posted to channels so you can download them. So. Um, yeah, get the show how you can. Join us live when you can. We like to hear from you. John, I think it's time to, since we're now basically a week away, provided that the coronavirus doesn't stop free agency or something, um, I, I think it's time to talk a little bit about free agency. Now, when we've done this over the past couple of weeks, we've spotlighted you know potential Bengals targets, outside guys that can come in, Maybe they fit the mold from a financial perspective, a positional fit, that sort of thing. What we, we haven't really done is talk about the internal guys, the guys who are their own guys, who they usually focus on in free agency and who you know, are set to hit the market. Maybe they want to resign them. Who knows? But I think we kind of want to run down. I'm going to let you take the lead on this a little bit um but i think we kind of want to run down on some of the Bengals free agents if not all of them what we think they're going to do i think you put a post up on this by the way on cincyjungle.com a very comprehensive one which was very well done um but i I think we want to talk about what we think is going to happen with some of these internal guys because that is a critical part to the Bengals free agency strategy
1: yeah and i think we can we can start off with an easy one. We'll, we'll, we'll try to go down the line in terms of relevancy, uh, you know, how much they played last year and how much they made names to begin with. And there is no more prominent name than AJ Green, but I think the predicting what's going to happen to him is about as easy as predicting what the Bengals are going to do with the first overall pick, and that's franchise tag like, him. Mm-hmm. The, the new deadline to place the franchise tag um, like midnight right before Monday when like legal tampering begins three to see period. And I think the Bengals are going to use all the time that they can to, you know, whatever energy they have in terms of negotiating a long-term deal, but it's like a foregone conclusion that the franchise tag is happening with AJ.
0: Yeah. I think that, and the big question, John, um, the, the big question here is what is that going to parlay into a long-term deal in either in general or is it going to parlay into a long-term deal almost right away? I think they have until July to to get a, a long-term deal done. Otherwise, he has to play under the under the tag. So do you think that this gets parlayed? I, I, the franchise tag is a foregone conclusion. And like it or not, that's the best move that the Bengals can do right now. Because even if they do put him on the trade market, they'll get something back for him uh, of, of high value. So there's that aspect. Or they keep them on a one-year deal, get a productive veteran, hopefully that's healthy, for their rookie quarterback. Or you keep one of the most productive Bengals players of all time on your team long-term. He hopefully retires a Bengal, that sort of thing. So franchise tag's the right move, however you want to look at it. But do you think this gets parlayed into a long-term deal? And if so, I mean, I would say probably no much
1: longer than three years, right? Right. Uh, yeah. Like he's 32 this year, a three-year deal with him at 34, 35, but that expires. Um, there's been past contracts where guys will sign in their early thirties and then usually three years, like a max with that. And you're right. Like this, the whole purpose of the franchise tag is to prolong this process of negotiating this long-term deal. And July 15th, I believe is the official deadline. If they do not reach a deal by then, he's under contract for just one year under the franchise tag. I think after they handle, you know, this whole situation throughout the season, of putting the foot around saying we're not going to trade him. We will not be a franchise tag him at all. But, like, they've stated you know, at the Combine throughout the entire season and into the offseason that he's going to be a Bengal in 2020. That's going to happen regardless of the of the long-term deal or not because he'll be on the franchise tag. But it, it is smart to put him specifically on a one-year deal because they're, they're, they have to have a certain significant level of uncertainty whether he can stay healthy for however long – his proposed extension could be because he hasn't been on the field since the middle of 2018. He's up there in age, and you have to think that his production is naturally going to be declining rather than just increasing at this point here because he has reached the peak of his career. So even in general, like the franchise tag makes a lot of sense, even if he wasn't, you know, going through all these health concerns. But you know, they obviously value him extremely high, probably higher than any other team in the NFL at this point. And yeah, this is just a vehicle to assure that all, that 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 long-term deal does end up uh, coming to fruition.
0: Yes, for those who are either joining us live or watch the YouTube video after the fact, I've got a list up of Bengals free agents, courtesy of Spotrack. So uh, we've got the list here. There are nineteen guys, I think, by my count. Yeah, there's nineteen guys here. So um, you know, I, they go how they're listed here is obviously for market value, etc. Darquez Denar, the other big name guy, I think, coming up here, um, and and the other big point of discussion, another. I hate to use the word frustrating in terms of the player and the situation, but a real kind of head scratcher because another guy who first round pick, when he's played, he's played pretty well, especially well in the slot, not so much on the boundary, um, but you know, still capable, I would say, on the boundary, but definitely a slot guy. Maybe he overvalues himself. He seemed to have done so last year when he tested the market and came back to the Bengals on a one year rental deal. Ended up starting the season on pup, so we missed you know the first six games, but uh, ended up playing for him from there. So, how do you see this playing out? There's been some rumors that basically they think that that it's time to part ways, but we thought that was the case last year, and they
1: got it back on a one year deal. Exactly, and I think a lot of the miscommunication from last year is kind of going into this year, whereas uh denari wanted to test what his market was because he had aspirations of being more than just a slot cornerback he wanted to to sign a deal that would make him a paid boundary cornerback and unfortunately his market was soiled because no one really you know saw him like that and also because no one really knew that he had uh, a knee injury that needed a knee scope back in may that forced him to miss the first half of the season so he as well as he played for the Bengals last year the Bengals still recognize that he missed seven games and they didn't get the full value of the one contract that they signed him to. And you're right, though. like He's one of the better, more underrated slot cornerbacks in the game right now. And if he just accepts his role as that, there can be some type of mutual agreement here for some type of a long-term deal. But the rumors are you know, that they just see him as a slot guy and Dinner still has these aspirations of being something more. So after going through this for a year and the fact that he didn't play a full year for them and the fact that there still seems to be some type of disconnect it, it just feels natural that both sides are going to be looking in different directions. And that's exactly what uh, Paul Daniel Jr. Reported for the athletic, how Dennard and his team are looking elsewhere, kind of like last year. And e- even if he, you know, his, his testing of the market doesn't go well, just like he did last year. It seems like the Bengals are just not going to be in that position where they would want to bring him back because apparently like they want to completely revamp this cornerback group. And with, you know, how they feel about dinner and how Dennard feels about them. It just might not be a match that doesn't belong much lo- much further.
0: So let's deviate off of that real quick. We had a comment from somebody in the live chat, and uh, there's been some talk this week. Uh, well, really, starting Wednesday, I think it was on Dre Kirkpatrick's Instagram. Uh, he put up a little on, on his story, if you're social media savvy. Uh, he put up a story, and it among some pictures, him working out and other things, one of the pictures was him. Uh, was of his locker, his Bengals locker, saying, "Who wants some of this stuff?" Um, interesting to say the least. There has been no news, official news from the team that they are moving on from him, trading him, cutting him. We think that's going to be the case, but not definitive. I guess. You know do you think that the Bengals would part ways in one offseason with Denard and Kirkpatrick the same offseason and how comfortable are you with
1: that if that's the case um until they sign another starting for agency or draft one there has to be a little of discomfort obviously because uh, other than those two you have William Jackson who's got one year left on his deal and he hasn't lived up to expectations Darius Phillips is intriguing but you don't know what he is going to be on until the of a larger sample size as a starter. And then it's just B.W. Webb and a bunch of younger guys who just signed. So there's not a lot of stability in that room. And as much as you know, you can dislike Drake Kirkpatrick, for all, for all the you know embarrassing stuff he does on the field, he does play pretty consistent for the most part. He just gets highlighted with a lot of bad plays. I think it makes sense at this point, you know, even with saying that, though, to part ways with Kirkpatrick, because you are saying a decent chunk of change that you can use in other areas, that you can even use to upgrade him at cornerback. And, you know, what happens with Dennard is still very much up in the air. I think it's more just cut a Kirkpatrick than just uh, let Dennard walk, even though that seems to be the writing on the walls right now. But, you know, because they find both of those guys, Winston Rose and, and Tony Brown, at cornerback, because they seem to be very interested in the cornerback market, um, according to some reports, it does seem like they are ready to completely revamp the position and save a little money in the process. But, yeah, it would be – I don't know if I'm precedent is the word, but it would be a stark change considering there's not a lot of stability in that position group anyways.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, obviously if they're going to ship out two former first round picks at the position and guys that were slated as their top two of their top three corners to begin the, you know, as you were looking at things in the, in the summer um, you know, uh, to ship both of them out a year later would be, um, would be, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if that'd be ideal. Uh, Brian Kramer does say um, that he heard uh, that Darquez Denard was on George Iloka's podcast recently, and he sounded a little more optimistic about returning to the Bengals. So, you know, maybe maybe Paul Daner and others don't have the full scoop, or maybe Denard is being a little bit more uh, diplomatic this time of year, as some players right. tend, tend to be. Uh, let's go on. We'll, we'll rapid-fire some of these. Um, Tyler Eifert, though. Uh, Another very similar situation to D'Arquez Denard, right? Um, Pro Bowl player at one point yep. in his career. Uh, coming off of his, uh, I think it was his first full 16-game career, 16-game uh, season of his career. Uh, numbers were middle of the road for him in terms of production, but uh, I'd like to see him back. I don't... I, Unless it's something similar to what he signed this year, which I don't think he he will be willing to do because he's done that a couple of times for the team already. Um, I think he's looking for something maybe a little bit more solid. He seems to like the Bengals, though. I, I I just I don't see the two sides
1: meeting, unfortunately. But that's a guy I would like to keep. There is so much. There are so many layers to this because it's almost like like the Bengals came into this expecting probably Eifert to suffer another injury and expecting to have an easier process this time of year of bringing him back because he managed to stay healthy for an entire 16-game schedule for the first time in his career, like he said. He was able to produce at a pretty high rate considering that he was reserved for most of the year and he didn't play, you know, like more than 60 or 70% of the snaps per game. It's almost like, you know, I bet on himself as relative to the expectations of him, you know, playing in certain seasons. And he, and he won. Like, he's going to have a more favorable market this year than he has in years past. And like you said, he's already been on two one-year deals with the Bengals at this point. He had, he, and his agent at 29 years old have to be thinking to themselves, this is probably my last time going to have any shot at a multi-year extension. And it's probably not the Bengals are going to be offering me that because the Bengals have a history of seeing Eifert, you know, get injured early in the season and not live up to the value of, of his contract. And also, th- this tight end draft class is not very strong. And it's usually that relationship with the free agency class where teams are gonna look at you know what free agents are available at certain positions that aren't necessarily strong draft. And those are the positions that end up getting in high demand in free agency and end up almost overpaying for some of those guys. So if Ivory is looking to break the bank relative to what he can expect, this is definitely the year for him to do it. And it's just not like the Bengals to really take a chance on him again and give him that multi-extension, especially considering that they just signed CJ Zoma to a starter's contract last year. They have him for two more years, and they would probably like Drew Sample to carve out a bigger role because they drafted him in the second round last year. So it's it's almost like it's just not to be any more than this. They, they don't really use the tight end position that much anyways in this offense, and they already have two guys that they want to use more. So it just seems like it, it's it's a positive end of the relationship, but it does seem like the end of the relationship in general. Yeah.
0: Uh, moving on a little bit, uh, kind of going quickly because I think you and I would probably agree on the next three names on this list. Kerry Wynn, defensive end, John Jerry, guard, and Leroy Reynolds. I, I, I think, uh, maybe Reynolds comes back in some capacity, but I think overall those
1: three guys are probably gone, right? Yeah, I don't, I don't like the whole linebacker position is going to get revamped and i don't see why Reynolds would stick around, but definitely and Jerry, they were emergency signings. Right, Jerry more than win in that case, but but like when played eleven snaps, he was coming back.
0: Right. Uh, so let's let's go to vi- uh, vigil. Let's go to the linebackers again. You said an overhaul. So does it make sense then? I mean, they they talk. There's been rumblings of defense, defense, defense. Does it make sense if you get rid of your two two of your top three corners from last year's early, I guess, early depth chart? Uh, Kirkpatrick and Denard potentially and then you know you, you keep you got rid of Preston Brown and then you got Nick Vigil and you let him walk all of a sudden you've got multiple holes at linebacker I don't know does that make sense or do you like Do you think? are you confident in what you saw towards the end of the year with Vigil to say hey you know what maybe he's making a little bit of strides and uh, you know he's turning a corner he is 27 though so
1: I don't know that's the one variable because he played his best football of his entire NFL career towards the end of last season. And I, I don't know if that was like the same effect with Jermaine Pratt where just getting rid of Preston proud on the field but just made Vigil that much better in comparison. But that definitely opened the door for a potential one-year proof deal. And, you know, comparing it into the cornerback position, like there is talent the cornerback position that they could be moving on with and releasing in terms of Kirkpatrick and Dennard. There is no talent for linebacker position aside from you know Jermaine Pratt. So uh, I, it's I, I don't think it's that big of a deal when you re- you, know, you release the guys that make up that position group if they just aren't good in general. I think you know a, a complete positional overhaul has been overdue for some time. Even if you know statistically and, and analytically the position doesn't have that much value on the success of your defense and your team in general, but when it's, when it's been that bad, when it's been noticeably that week for your defense and it's one of the main reasons why your defense is one of the worst in the league you, you should have no issue and there should be no harm with getting completely new bodies in there because like they're gonna they're gonna go out of the way to get new bodies there and it's hard for it to be any worse than it was this year so if, if they bring that vigil on a one-year deal i wouldn't be surprised i wouldn't hate it but it, as long as it doesn't assure him a starting spot as long as it, you know they can get out of it easily if he doesn't you know live up to snuff like Preston Brown did. That would be the only way of justifying it, I would say.
0: Yeah. Uh, So we've only got a couple of other unrestricted free agents, and I think we can go a little faster with the restricted and exclusive rights free agents. But um, the the other two unrestricted here are Billings and Fedulim. Uh, Fedulim, I, I I think... You know, special teams kind of captain. A guy, I think he was, uh, was wasn't he an alternate for the the Pro Bowl? As a special teams guy at one point, um, has come in and made a couple of plays on defense. Just seems like a guy that if you give him, you know, a, a pretty decent contract, he should stick around. I think he's a Darren Simmons guy. They gave Darren Simmons a promotion this year after his unit did very well for the team. Really, the only unit who, that performed well last year as a whole. I think he stays probably for a reasonable contract,
1: uh, Fedulim, that is. Do you agree? Absolutely. And like, I don't, I don't think you give Simmons that extra, you know, power, I guess, in, in his title, and then have the special teams captain leave. I think bringing it back shouldn't be difficult at all, considering he's just a backup safety, but he definitely does have value as that special teams captain. He's in this wide unit is, is always good and was the best unit in the league this year. And I also think it, it also goes beyond that. Like, John Williams is only under contract for one more year, and you also have Brandon Wilson entering your agency as well. So there's not a lot of long-term stability at the safety position in case you lose a guy like Williams, essentially, and you want some, you want a potential replacement to groom anyways. So even beyond the special teams, fast, they might want a guy who can replace him under contract for 2021. But, that, like, you know, Simmons is going to have input in that decision, and they shouldn't have any trouble bringing him back.
0: Okay. So the other one, and kind of, again, one of the biggest questions on this team is Andrew Billings. Um, what, you know, he's only 24. Uh, he has shown signs of, I would say, slow improvement, marginal improvement in his career. Um, played decent last year. Unfortunately, I mean, you saw him drop into coverage sometimes last year, not often, but it's kind of like what the heck's going on here? So, um, Uh, You know, part of me says, bring this guy back. He's young. He's showing a bit of improvement. Um, The other part of me says he's limited. And the defense wasn't great with him in there anyway. Um, So I'm a little torn on this one. I, I think, you know, he may get a decent deal somewhere else. Uh so he may not remain with the team, but then again, you've got another hole on defense.
1: Right. And you would think that the fact that them bringing back Josh Tupo, who is a restricted free agent and they have no trouble bringing him back. You would think that would make the decision easier to just let Billions test the market. But we're going through this list, man. And like, we're only coming to the conclusion that only, you know, one of these guys, aside from green is for sure coming back. Like it has talked about, like, like, apparently, they're negotiating contracts with some of their free And you, you would think that they would have to bring some of them back. And you would look at well, you know, who Billings is. I think he just turned 25, I think, last week. So, still ex- extremely young for some guy entering free agency for the first time. You know, as now a three year starter who first started his second year after he missed his entire first year, he has slowly improved. He has gradually improved into one of the more, you know, well rounded run defending nose tackles in the league. But then you think, okay running uh, nose tackle doesn't have a lot of value in the NFL nowadays, and that's why his market isn't going to be that of you know pass rushing defensive tackle that's going to make well north of $10 million a year. He might be in more of that $5 to $7 million range and might be in a three- to four-year length, and you would think uh, out of all of these guys you know, who is worthy of that multi-year deal aside from a guy like Denar who they might not bring back, billing does make some sense. It, it just seems yeah. a little redundant with, with bringing Tupou back, but you can do more things with Tupou. They've played him at Multiple techniques spots, whereas you, know, you can only play billions in the A gap. So it may not be as redundant as that, but also the fact that he's he, that the fact that he's young, the fact that he's still ascending, the fact that you know you, you do need some depth of defense tackle because you know, of all the injuries that you had last year. It does make some sense to bring him back because of the overall profile that he has. It just depends on you know how much more confident are they in, in uh, you know, anointing Tupou as a starter, and the fact that you can only bring Tupou on on a one year deal unless you want to renegotiate that after he, he accepts his tender. So it makes sense for me to bring Billions back. It just depends on, you know, if his market is actually a lot more significant than we believe it is.
0: Yeah. So let's move on to the restricted free agents. We can kind of go through these pretty quick because essentially that the team can, you know, if they want to keep these guys, they can. Um, for the most part, right? I right. mean, it's it's uh, it's just the way they're they're set up. Brandon Wilson, the safety, who is also kick returner extraordinaire. John, I think I, I think you would agree with me.
1: Probably uh, he, they would keep him. Right, and the only question type of tender that, that they place on them so they right. can go a, a first round tender, which is I think around four or five million dollars for one year, a second round tender, which is about three or the original round tender, which is where they were drafted or if they weren't drafted at all. I believe the second round tender is around $3 million, And I think they would value Wilson high enough to just place that on there, just give him that salary. That's what they placed uh, Trey Hopkins last year. So that's like the standard for guys that they really value who are entering a restricted free agency.
0: Yeah, and I, I think the Bengals would probably, uh, both in terms of the money um, and in their comfort zone, I think Wilson and Tupo uh, are mm-hmm. probably guys that are maybe that second round tender. Is that is that what
1: you would uh, probably guess that right. they would be set at? Yes, and like those are the two guys that you would have no issue, can you know place bets on if these guys are being brought back or not? Because there are some of these guys that you would think you know maybe. maybe- Maybe don't bring those guys back. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
0: So here's a here's a slew of, and this goes into okay, are you going to bring these guys back for camp bodies and or practice squad that sort of thing? There's a there's a handful of corners. Tony McRae, Tory McT- uh, McTire, and Greg Maben are three corners that are set to be re- uh, restricted free agents. I, I don't really see, to be honest with you, maybe McRae. Um, he's kind of been floating around this team for longer. a bit. Yeah, he's been floating around the team for a little bit. Maybe that's a guy they keep. Um, he's done some things in the preseason, but, I mean, McTyre and Mabin, I don't I don't know that those guys really, wow. other, other than Camp Body, I don't think that those guys fill a role. So maybe, you know, uh, maybe if they want to do something light with them on the restricted free agency side, they could do that. But um, I don't see it. Uh, and then, uh, let's go to, let's go down to Niles Scott, a defensive tackle and Javar, Javarius Lehman in offensive tackle. Um, maybe Niles Scott is a guy they, they think about keeping around if they end up losing an, an Andrew Billings and they need some more depth at that position. Um, you know, he's an exclusive rights guy. So essentially he's there yeah. if they want to. um, same with Javarius Lehman. So, um, you know, I, it, it's kind of a foregone conclusion. I, I would think they keep those guys maybe just as camp bodies or, or, going into, you know, the spring summer months, they, they keep them cause they'll be cheap and they're, they're guys that they've, they've got. So, um, I, I think they're, they're set there. Seathan Carter, an interesting one. Um, you know, a guy who's played a little H back, he's played tight end. He ended up catching his first touchdown last year, uh, as, as a pro. He's been a special teamer. Um, he is 26. I, I don't know, especially with Drew Sample, if they envision a bigger role for him. You've got Mason Schreck. Who knows what happens with Eifert? Um, I, I don't know. What do you What do you think about Stephen Carter here?
1: I think he gets the original round tender, so it'll be extremely cheap. Yeah, and like the f- the fact that he made the team last year says a lot about what they still believe in him as a teamer. He got more snaps because of the injuries that they that they suffered there. It just seems like, especially if they release Clifford, they want three tight ends that they're comfortable with going into the draft in case they want to address that position as well. So he seems like a logical clue there. But also, I think we got to talk about these other two guys, Hardy Nickerson and now Shredman. Like, like, it seems like it. Like, I'm pretty comfortable in saying Nickerson is gone. It just seems like he's <laughs> the new. I I, I I don't know if you want to call him Chris Chris uh, Chris Crocker or Andre Smith. It just seems like if there's going to be an injury linebacker, he's just going to be the, the first guy <laughs> they call. So it's sounds like if, if they tender him, whatever, he's just a camp body. If they don't, I'll just expect back in July. With Red, does seem like they still like what he does on the practice field. Almost He's essentially the, off- the offensive version of Hardy Nickerson Jr. at this point. He's just a camp body. If they suffer injuries there, he maybe makes the roster whatever he's still the same person so i would imagine they still feel the same way about him they just place the original round tender on him just get it over with well, well john you got we got to be we got to be
0: diplomatic when we talk about redmond because we know his father-in-law tends to tends to come after us um a little bit so you know <laughs> we gotta we got be diplomatic there um, yeah i mean look From reports of who Redman is as a player, nasty, mean, sometimes plays after the whistle, um, just a real grinder guy. Not the most athletic, but a a guy with good size, just mean, tenacious in the run game. That seems like a a Jim Turner guy. Um, It just seems like a guy.
1: That, That has to be. yeah,
0: Right. Right. Uh, I, I now Redmond, if I remember correctly, his season last year he was suspended for the first four games, and then I think he ended up on IR. Right. So um, it just it never really came together, and he, he kind of had a chance last year to potentially see something with Billy Price struggling, Trey Hopkins moving moving to center, and Michael Jordan in and out of the lineup. So I mean, there were there were some chances there uh, if he if he could see the field, but. Um, I mean, I, I think they keep him. And I, I Nickerson may be a guy, like you said, maybe they don't tender him or they tender him real low because if they, you know, he's a guy that they just seem to have on speed dial and uh, he can come back at the drop of a hat. Redmond's a guy they like, and they want to keep grooming him. They need offensive line depth. Some people here are saying in the live chat that the Bengals keep putting out signals that they like where their offensive line is at at the moment. Um, I think we would disagree with that, but, you know uh, – Maybe, maybe Redmond is in that pl- in those plans. Maybe is uh, he's in those plans that going forward.
1: Um, I don't know. I have no I have no issue with Redmond being in camp. I just as long as he's there, he has a legitimate chance to making the roster for whatever reason. That's the only discomfort I think we both have with it. As long as he's just there for death purposes, in case somebody gets hurt, it's whatever. But it's the actual fear that we have that he makes the roster because he's made the past three or four at this point. So it's always been the question. Yeah. So let's,
0: let's do one other thing, John, because this will be part of free agency and these are internal guys. Basically the Bengals can negotiate trades up to a couple of days before the 18th. And They can negotiate with their own guys before, you know, all that kind of stuff. They can negotiate with outside guys a couple days before the 18th. And they can set up potential trades for guys before the 18th. So we talked about Drake Kirkpatrick. I think we, based on some things, he might be being shown the door here. You've got Andy Dalton. You've got Billy Price. Do you think that these guys are dealt around the first few days of free agency or up to free agency, or do you think that these are guys that are maybe
1: dealt around the draft? Or at all? I have to think that Dalton's probably the first guy to get traded, and Kirkpatrick and Kirkpatrick and Kody Glenn are the first guy to get cut. And they'll probably cut. If they can't trade Dalton, they'll probably cut him anyways, but that's just a matter of when, because the timeline on on all that is very much up in the air, because you have to remember – Josh Rose wasn't traded until, you know, literally like, you know, after Kyler Murray was drafted and with first overall picks. So that can go all the way to April. I, I think Billy Price is more in the lines of, you know, they, they would like to keep him. They'd like to see what he can do is to, to compete for one of the guard spots. But like Cordy Glenn, if any team wants, wants any type draft pick, I think they would jump at that opportunity, especially with Glenn, because, you know, his reputation at this point is pretty soured and there should be a reason why any team would want to trade draft picks for him. I, it it may be the same with Patrick where they're just in the assumption that they're just they just going to have to cut him because they're not going to get anything for him. And almost, I believe John Ross was almost in this consideration where there was some slight rumors, whereas like they obviously want to keep him. They want to involve him to see what he can do year two in this offense. But again, if, if any team comes calling and gives them an offer they're willing to listen to, he could be in that discussion. So, it just seems like at this point, Kirkpatrick and Glenn are almost for sure going to get cut. There's just too many signs to point to that and not enough to go against it. And the market for Dalton apparently exists. It's more than just maybe this fourth or fifth round pick that we kind of assumed early on in this process. is more in that second or third round range. And that's definitely going to be the starting point of those discussions. It's just a matter of if it gets too far down there and to what team Dahl wants to go to. Because it's going to be a team that he has a chance of you know, competing for that starting role, if not given the starting role immediately, like it would be potentially, you know, like New England. So that seems to be happening. It's just a matter of what type of compensation they can get. And the fact of the matter is it's probably better than maybe what what we would have predicted. Yeah, I think, I think, I don't know if both of them will be dealt at free agency, but I think
0: one of them will be, and I think it probably will be Dalton. There are teams that they get, they get trigger happy around this time of year. The bigger market teams, teams that want a a name, teams that want a premium position, they they'll get trigger happy and they'll make moves where you go, wow, I didn't I didn't think you'd do that. Um, now there's there's obviously a chance that this doesn't happen, but the good news is if the Bengals don't get capital for you know a Dalton or something at free agent at free at the onset of free agency, they can do so around the draft where teams tend to get a little. A little crazy then, you know, you miss out on a position player that you wanted and all of a sudden, you know, you're willing to make a deal, maybe move some draft capital, that sort of thing. So I would not be surprised if a trade is announced towards the beginning of free agency for the Cincinnati Bengals. But uh, I, you know, I, I also think they may wheel and deal to get more picks, especially if they go up to the draft with seven picks. Uh, they're going to want more. And by the way, the compensatory picks were announced this year. Predictably, the Bengals did not get any for 2020. So they're sticking with those seven picks. And, uh, you know, I if I tend to think that this team wants more than seven going into spring. So, um, you know, they'll try and get them next week or shortly after that, or they will probably do so around the draft, but that is the internal free agency roundup. We've done a number of free agent previews. John, I lied. I said that you were going to take the lead on that, but I realized that you were on your phone and that may have been um, a little bit, a little bit of a challenge for you, by the way, uh, just not to put John on blast, but if there's a little bit of cutouts or whatever in the audio, John is on his phone this week. So, um, you know, there may be a little bit of that in the audio recording. We apologize. Temporary thing. He's just just in case, just in case I'm throwing out that disclaimer. But regardless, we're happy to have him with us. We were happy to have Adrian Ross with us, joining us earlier in the program. We're happy to have you joining us, whether it's live or after the fact on this program. Get the show on any number of audio platforms or YouTube. Subscribe to our channels. Try and join us live if you can, or download the show after the fact on any one of those platforms different platforms that we offer the program on and of course keep it to cincyjungle.com for all your news opinions analysis all of that good stuff it's going to be a busy time of the year over the next really two months so month and a half or so so you're going to want to keep it to cincyjungle.com for all of those updates john let's drop the mic where do you want to go this this week as we get out of here
1: uh there's a lot of serious issues i guess we can talk so I'll kind of keep it light. I was talking with our our old site manager, Rebecca Tobach, who is now on to bigger and better things. And yeah, and she was like she was talking about like the Bengals don't have a, a compensatory picks for the first time, what seems like a long time. And it got me thinking, Well, there's there's a good reason for that because last year the the biggest contract that, that they signed were, you know, Preston Brown and Bobby Hart for three years and a lot of money, a lot more money than they should have. And the guys left were, what, like Tyler Croft, Cedric Oblee, Jake Fisher? It's almost its almost like looking back at that offseason, it's like they knew that the guys, that, they, that if they didn't sign any of those regions, they would have signed barely vet, minimum, very small deals that would have maybe given them maybe like a couple seventh round compensatory picks. And it's almost like they just decided we're not going to get anything in return for these guys so we're just going to sign them to multi-year deals to see what we can get from them. Because if, it, if they had done nothing, they still might have not gotten any compensatory picks. That's how bad the last year's free agency was. And I didn't really realize it until now when I had that discussion with Rebecca Tobock.
0: Yeah. And, uh, you know, those guys ended up going elsewhere, getting paid and really not doing anything. You know, Croft got hurt for the bills. Uh, you know, the way he is, a boy, he and uh, so on and so forth. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, you know, and um, it's we, we've been hearing that the Bengals are going to do more in free agency, outside free agency, that sort of thing. We'll see if that actually happens. Uh, I got a couple of things to as we drop the mic and get out of here, John. Um, in case you can't tell, I'm wearing my my three three eleven hat. Three eleven. It's we're recording on three eleven. And uh, so I got to give props to the band 311. And yes, he does, John does have uh, the skeleton with him. We've been getting I was a seeing lot some of- comments. I was seeing yeah. some comments. He's yeah. guys. Yeah, yeah, he's there. Uh, he's at Randall, right? Uh, he is there. Randall's, Randall's there. He's still alive. Yep. So when John not gets been, the. He's not
1: been infected by the coronavirus yet. <laughs> uh,
0: so when John gets his the more panoramic view of his. Uh, computer back he will i'm sure make sure that randall is definitely prominently profiled on the show as usual the other thing i mentioned that mike holbrook the listener who has been feeding me a lot of different uh, by the way not only is mike a real estate agent and broker down in uh south and central florida area he's a former radio DJ, radio guy in Cincinnati. So that, this is how he gets, this is how he has received some of these leads and whatnot, um, and, and connections. These guys from the Bengals know him. Uh, and so that's why he's been able to, to connect us with some of these guys. So, uh, again, our thanks to Mike, Mike, get you, get you, moving.com. Go check it out. If you're in the Florida area and you need some real estate advice, but Along with introducing us to Adrian Ross and some other guys, to uh, that we're trying to nail down. On Wednesday, I ex- I had a text message exchange, John, and this text message exchange was from a former Bengals player, who, let's just say, he famously familiarized everybody with a specific dance in the late 1980s, a touchdown celebration. So, as of now, we are set to have Mr. Icky Woods on the program, not next Wednesday, but the following Wednesday, which I believe is the 25th. So about two weeks from today, we'll be having Icky Woods, as of now, tentatively, but he has agreed to come on to the show. So, Icky Woods will be on this program, and I'm probably going to fanboy out, truth be told. So I'm pretty stoked about that. Next week, though, aside from having Icky Woods on the program, next week we will have Andre Parada on the program. Now, Andre Parada is kind of a tw- Bengals Twitter favorite. For those of you who don't, who may not be familiar with him, he's very knowledgeable. He's very personable. He is kind of a financial expert when it comes to bangle to contracts, NFL contracts, the salary cap he is incredibly knowledgeable. And I think I, I kind of thought what better time to get him on the program and his insights than at the onset of free agency. So we got Andre Parada next week and tentatively Icky Woods the the week after that. And I'm pretty excited,
1: John. I'm, I am too. He's always, I remember last time we had him on, we expected like 15 minutes. He was, he was, he talked for like 35 minutes and none of it was useless information. So he's, Definitely got a full mind of stuff that everyone needs to listen to, especially around this time of year.
0: Yeah. Yep. Get your, was what, what it? Get your cold cuts. Um, so, Icky Woods joining us on Yeah. It,
1: yeah. Like Icky too. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Icky, icky Woods too. I, like, yeah. I'll, I'll try to, I'll try, I'll try to reel really you and calm me down a little bit. So, that'll yeah. be my purpose for that interview.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, we're excited about that. And um, we hope you will enjoy that. It's been a crazy few weeks for our, our program and a, a great couple of weeks. Um, we had Solomon Wilcox on the program recently. We had Adrian Ross, former Bengals uh, linebacker, on this week's program joining us. What an awesome interview that was. Uh, we've got Andre Parada next week. We've got Icky Woods the week after that. We're set up with a lot of guys, and uh, we're, we're very, very excited about the, the direction of the show, and we're going to get you a lot of different stuff as free agency unfolds, as the draft unfolds. So stick with us. We appreciate it. For John Sheeran, I'm Anthony Cazenza. This has been the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. We'll see you next time.